0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CMO Stories podcast, episode 37. My name is Yuri Bilast, and I'm your podcast host. If you didn't find me yet on uh, social media, it's really easy. There, I think it's only one person with my name on earth. So, Yuri Bilast, find me on Twitter, find me on Instagram. I'd love to connect. Today, we have a guest who is called the CERN guy. Hi, Jason. How are you doing? Hi Yuri, lovely to meet you. I'm doing fine. How are you? Yeah, as I just said in the, during the preparation, it's my third podcast recording in a row, so right. I'm still energized, uh, not too tired. I love meeting new people, connecting on podcasts. So for our audience, you wonder who is Jason. I already said search guy. So what does search mean? Search engine results page. Now let me give you some more information. So Jason Bernard is an author and a digital marketing consultant. He specializes in brand serps, what appears when you audience Google's your brand name actually, and also knowledge panels, what Google understands about who you are and what you do. And Jason, when I was reading, you know, your bio, it seems that you have had different lives. Yeah, because you have been a punk folk musician, you have been a blue dog in a cartoon TV series. You have been living on a desert island, and today (laughs) you are active in digital marketing. So before we talk a bit about what you're doing today, tell us a bit of your backstory, because that's really fascinating me.
1: Yeah, thank you, Yuri. I really love the introduction, and it does drive curiosity when you say punk folk musician, blue dog in desert island. In fact, I was Born in the north of England and brought up in the countryside in a village of 25 people. Uh, So I was brought up completely alone in the middle of nowhere in North Yorkshire, in North England. And then moved to Liverpool. I played the Cavern Club, where the Beatles played. Uh, That's a small claim to fame for me. Uh, In a group called Stanley the Counting Horse. And then moved to Paris to join a band, Punk Folk. I was a double bass player in the band. Uh, we toured around Europe. We did 660 gigs. We played with some amazing, amazing people. We played actually with Bob Dylan at one point, not on stage with him, but on the same bill in the same festival. And Captain Sensible from The Damned, we played a gig with him in Germany and he had the measles. So I don't know if you know who Captain Sensible is, but if you don't, look up his name and his brand will okay. appear and you'll understand he was one of the great punks of the 70s and early 80s and then became a blue dog in a cartoon and my wife was a yellow koala Uh, in the cartoon we were best friends but in real life we were husband and wife and we moved to Mauritius which is a tropical island rather than a desert island but
0: okay yeah but it sounds it sounds adventurous anyway so yeah
1: Yeah, we were running one of the biggest websites in the world from a tiny island just off the coast of Madagascar. We had 5 million visits a month and 100 million page views a month for this site for kids aged up to 10. And we were running it from this tiny island, basically, literally sitting on the beach with a computer, running this site and building these games for small children. Um, it was absolutely wonderful. It was really delightful. And in Mauritius, it's warm all year round and you've got mm-hmm. palm trees and beaches and right. uh, it's all terribly beautiful.
0: And did you have somewhere in a background in this website world? Because suddenly it's, it's something else than being a musician, of course, doing that.
1: Uh, right. Yeah. No, I, I actually, when the punk folk group split up, okay. I decided that I wanted to write songs for kids for absolutely okay. no good reason at all, except yeah, yeah. I thought it might be fun. And the record company didn't want the record. So we made a book, a story, and we tried to get it through the book publishers, and they didn't want it either. And so I bought a copy of Flash, Macromedia Flash, which became Adobe Flash and is now yeah. no longer with us, I'm afraid. Well, it still exists. You just can't use it on the web. And learned to code and build animations using Flash. In nineteen ninety-eight and built the site from nothing okay, to ten thousandth yeah, yeah. biggest site in the world. Whoa. Yeah, in the
0: beginning days of the of the internet, when you know, I think Google was not even there yet at that moment. So we had like Alta Vista and others and Yahoo, I guess, at that moment, and then Google came. But talking M- about
1: Magdalene and and Hotbot and Google was actually incorporated in September 1998, and we mm-hmm. released our first games in okay. December 1998. Yeah,
0: but obviously the Google from that period and how it worked comparing to the Google today, oh. lots of things have changed, I would say. So how would you say, because, okay, it's a broad question, but how does Google work today? How, what should we know as being an entrepreneur and marketer about how Google works
1: Yeah, that's a really lovely question. I mean, as you said, in 1998, it was nothing like it works today. But from the SERP perspective, back in 1998, you only had the blue links. Mm -hmm. And you would click through on the blue link to the next page. And you you would potentially be looking at 10 different pages of Google before you found what you wanted. Google wasn't particularly good compared to what it is today. And the results were very boring text-based blue links. And today it works on a Darwinistic principle of different elements like videos and images and maps, all competing for a place on the SERP. And what they do is their algorithms demonstrate to the core algorithm, which is blue link algorithm. They have more value than the current blue link that is there. And so Only the strongest survive. So on a query by query Mm -hmm. basis, i.e. when somebody searches for something, you will see videos if the algorithms decide that those videos have more value than the blue link that was previously there. And they will swap the video in for the blue link, if that makes sense. And that's how Google builds up this kind of this rich SERP, the multimedia SERP that we've now got terribly used to. And it's Darwinism in search.
0: Right. I also mentioned in the introduction about knowledge panels. What is actually a knowledge panel when you talk about Google?
1: Right. And that's the next big step. That idea of Darwinism is kind of quite mind-blowing already as a a concept. I wrote an article on Search Engine Journal because Gary Eilish, who actually works for Google, explained it to me. Mm -hmm. And knowledge panels is a representation of Google's understanding about what you've searched for so if you search for my name you will see a knowledge panel and it's a summary of google's understanding about me right and as you said earlier who i am what i do and what my audience might be interested yeah. in so it's and, personal yeah or a company so if you search a for a company like ibm it will show yeah. you what it feels is interesting for you uh, as a
0: what i mean was if i am searching something on google i will have a different results than if you are a uh, searcher Google. Is that related or is that something else?
1: No, that's something else because basically what Google will do is decide what kind of audience I have. So okay. if, if if it sees me as an author, it will tend to show books because okay, it feels right. that that is relevant right. and the blue dog right. is still relevant, but it, it will be shown relatively less present. The personalized searches is actually something that I think we get a bit carried away with. Mm -hmm. Google says we don't personalize to the extent that a lot of people believe. What we do do is as you go through a search journey in a search session, we will personalize as we understand where you're going on that specific search session. So the idea of personalization isn't as predominant as we tend to believe. And The results that you will see will tend to be the same as I will see. Where it does differ enormously is geolocation.
0: Okay. Right. Yeah. It's location is really important, but Mm. you, you know, but typically people think about SEO. No, it's about, you need to have backlinks, you need to have meta keywords and you need to have like things that happen on site. But I think that was many years ago, but Mm. I don't know if that even counts today, all these optimizations on the site itself. I think it's more about content or what is something that we have like quick wins in our own hands.
1: Right, yeah, it's a really nice question because we could say that in the old days, Google counted links, what you were talking about, inbound links, and counted words. And it was this incredibly simplistic, it now seems, machine that simply counted words and counted links and said the one that with the most links and the right balance of words in a page is going to be number one. And today it works much more in its understanding of what's in the page and what solution that brings To which problem. So basically, if you take a step back and you say, right, when somebody searches on Google, they're expressing a problem and they're looking for the solution. Google's job is to get them to that solution as efficiently as possible. So what it does is it evaluates what the intent of the user is, what is the problem they're trying to express And they don't always express it very clearly. It can be very ambiguous. They could say birthday card, and they actually mean I want to buy a birthday card. So Google tries to guess what that intent is. Then what it does is present the user, its user, with the most appropriate, efficient solutions to that problem or answers to that question.
0: Right. And And...
1: our aim as SEOs is to demonstrate to Google through the content, the way we package our content for Google, so that Google can digest it and understand it and understand what solution it's offering to which problem. And then we need to convince it that our solution is the most credible solution. So once it's understood the the intent of the user, it looks for the solution. Once it's found multiple solutions that serve that user, it looks for the most credible and the most appropriate format. And that's something I think people miss out on, this idea of Darwinism with videos and images and so on and so forth. Is that if you've created a text based article as a solution, but somebody's looking for a video or somebody would be more satisfied with a video, the video will rank and your content won't if it's written and it doesn't suit the needs of Google's users. Okay.
0: But I need to know your audience well, or you need to test, I guess, to see what is
1: working and what is not working. I think what you said first is is really the key. If you know your audience, you will create the content that they need in the format that they appreciate. And if yeah. you then do that, you're communicating with your audience for something that they already or they appreciate greatly. And right. if you then can all then you need to do, excuse me, is communicate that to Google, that this is the right solution for that person in these circumstances, and that it's the most credible solution. Of the solutions that Google will have found,
0: yeah, but but I think this process also takes some time if you want to set it up. So you need to be patient. It's not like you try you try to mm. optimize your site or do stuff, and you know the next day you will have a lot of more visits. No, it's as I said, it takes patience. How much patience do you need if you start, you know, from zero? Would you say with a new site?
1: I think you need a lot of patience. Uh, people underestimate how fast the web works and how fast Google will rank a new site. We kind of think, oh, in a couple of months, I'll be ranking number one and making lots of money Mm -hmm. Um, for a really solid SEO, digital marketing strategy, at least a year in order to actually get somewhere where you're pulling people in from Google who are relevant. One of the things is that Google now is a little bit more cautious. Once it has figured out that one particular page or one particular piece of content brings an efficient solution, replacing that content with new content that you've created, your new site, your new brand is very difficult because you have to demonstrate to Google that yours is actually more efficient and or more credible. And that's a really tough ask.
0: Yeah, you can just show the evidence to Google, but Google needs to find out and and decide for themselves. I think it will also look at How much clicks do you get on your links, for instance, comparing to other links on this results page No, Is that something? Yeah,
1: um, well, kind of. Google say they don't use that in the algorithms, and that's kind of a little bit misleading because there are multiple layers of algorithms. So they're saying we don't use it in the core algorithm, but they do use it at some point. But in fact, I think it's a little bit more subtle than that even, is that if you're sorry, I'll come back as a very small step is a lot of people when they start looking at SEO will say, I want to rank for red shoes, right? Yeah. Because a lot of people search for red shoes. Now, the problem with the word, the, the search term red shoes is it's ambiguous. So Google is struggling to understand what the intent of the user is. Mm-hmm. And it also means there's a lot of different content that can potentially rank on number page right. number one for Google. And it's much better as a new site, to start with the more specific, what we call long-tail queries. For example, buy red shoes with high heels or buy red shoes with laces size 42, whatever it might be. And those very specific queries are easier to rank for because there's less competition. And if you can rank for those and Google sees over a period of time, which is why I was talking about a year, that Mm -hmm. you satisfy the needs of that user searching for that very specific pair of red shoes with laces a size 42, mm-hmm. then it will start to think, well, actually, they can probably satisfy the user searching for red shoes. Right. So what you need to do is get yourself a foothold. <laughs> Talking about red shoes, getting a foothold yeah, is yeah. very appropriate. With those long tail, small volume queries, that tools like Ahrefs or Samrush or yeah. SE Ranking will say, oh, there's zero search volume. That doesn't matter they mean there's a very small search volume and they can't measure it. So you aim for those small search volume, very specific queries where you know you can satisfy the user. You'll get a very high conversion rate to whatever the conversion is, whether it's buying, signing up to a newsletter, or just reading more of your your content. And Google will see that and it will understand that you've satisfied the user because the user will search for that, go to your website, and then when it comes back to Google, they won't search for the same thing again. They'll start a new search, and that's an indication to Google that you satisfied right. them. Right,
0: exactly. Because if you have too many clicks, too many visits, people will directly go away if it's not what they are looking for, yeah. and Google doesn't like that. If you visit, you look at another site directly. But if they have less searches or less visits, but they stay on your website because it's relevant, I think also for your business, that's what you want. That you want to have, you know, the right audience on your website that is contacting you. And then I think it also comes back to the fact when you start a business, you want to have something that stands out. You want to be different mm-hmm. from your competition. And of course, if you are different, then you can also, I guess, define search keywords that you can use you know, to yeah. be able to stand out that there are not too many searches. And what I also think is that the geographical aspect is important. Eh? Yeah. Like you said, you know, if, if I sell red shoes, but you know, in Belgium, there is no one else selling red mm. shoes or so people are then okay, then I get more chance to
1: yes yeah, very now. good point. yeah, no, understand <laughs> that the geolocation incredibly important, I mean, there's no point in ranking for red shoes on Google in America if you can't ship the shoes to mm. America right. and the other thing is you were saying very well explained of the fact that Google starts to trust you as it sees that you're satisfying its users. you're also getting valuable people from from your business perspective coming to your website and you need to build that business so that google understands that all of your content has that same quality and that your business stands by its content stands by its business practices and google calls that EAT: expertise authority and trust i -hmm. would just say credibility you need to demonstrate to google that you are credible in terms of the content you create the authoritativeness with which you appreciated within your market i.e. you are appreciated by your peers and media, and also that your customers appreciate you by coming to your site and staying on your site, by giving you reviews, by leaving comments, so on and so forth. So Google needs to understand that credibility aspect. And if you build that up, then Google can be your friend right without cheating and without counting words and without counting links
0: right i think it's also important to measure everything what you're doing and the google analytics of course you have now the ga4 that that's out there Mm. is that something that you also actively are using to you know update or optimize i would say websites
1: for your clients yeah, well GA4 I find it not incredibly user friendly. And so I don't really use it, but what I have done for my clients is install both the old Google Analytics yeah alongside the GA4 so that I've got the data from for GA4 sorry from today. Yeah, Which means right. that when they do switch across, I will have the data the historical data from the date I actually installed it and you can run them both in parallel, so that's not a problem. So it's basically a question of I don't use it, but I'm getting the data anyway to make sure that when I do need to use it, when Google makes it easier to access, I mean, at the moment, it's really confusing.
0: Exactly. That's what I have also done for clients, for myself, having the boats you know, versions installed, because as you say, if you wait for it, then you lose all, you know, all yep. the info you, it's better to already got the data. Yeah, but it's completely different. So it, it's not so easy to work with it at this moment, I find. I, also, yeah, and I
1: strongly advise, sorry to, to interrupt, but also search console, Google search console, if you sign up for that, yeah, it gives you an amazing view of your site from Google's perspective. Right. And that's incredibly important.
0: Yeah, often, you know, people forget that that they should do that and use it, the Google Search Console. I think that it's also a free service of Google, which which mm-hmm. you can use. Then there is, you know, okay the paid service of Google, which is Google Ads. Is that something that you would advise for clients when they start out and they want to get some traction to combine already, okay, thinking about the long-term strategy of ranking on Google, but also... Combining this with Google Ads at first?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think with Google Ads, a lot of us get caught in overambition. Okay. And being overly, once again, same kind of thing. Somebody will bid on red shoes. Mm -hmm. But what they should be doing is bidding on red shoes with high heels, size 42. And then they'll think, well, I can't can't be bothered setting up a whole campaign for that specific thing, and I can't be bothered with the landing page. And that's a huge mistake in the sense that when somebody clicks on the ad, you want them to land on a page where they find exactly the solution they're looking for. And so if you look at that from what Google is trying to do, you would think, if I'm willing to pay enough money, I can get my Google ad right at the top every time, and that's not true. It has a similar system to the SEO system, which is – if the ad doesn't provide the value uh, to Google's user, it will not show it full stop. So right. you have what they call the quality score, which is expected click-through rate, relevancy, and landing page experience, I think. And the three of them together basically measure that custom of journey from I typed it in, I saw an ad, I clicked on it, I landed on the page, did it solve the problem that I was expressing when I started searching yes or no? Right. So yeah. you have to approach it very similarly. And so I find that the two play very nicely together if you can get it right, because you can right. use the ads to see where you want the SEO to go. You can try out your ideas that you're going to put in place for your SEO using Google Ads.
0: Exactly. So that's also a way to test stuff. Huh? Next mm-hmm. to that, and I think that's also something that not everyone has in place, is the Google Business Services. So if you look at you for your business that you oh. show up in the Google Maps? I and mean, can you tell say something about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're a local business, Google Business Profile, which was known as Google My Business up until recently, yeah, is incredibly yeah. important. And they give you a certain amount of control. So when Google creates, it, either it creates them automatically so that one will exist for your business and you need to claim it. Right. And then you can manage what Google shows, a lot of what Google shows. Or you can apply for one. And it's incredibly important for bricks and mortar local businesses because then you're on Google Maps and people using their Android phone, using Google Maps, will be Mm -hmm. able to come to your business. So that's for local businesses. For bigger businesses, obviously much less important. If you're a nationwide lawyer firm, for example... And you can deal with any clients from anywhere in the country. They're not necessarily going to come to your office. So that Google My Business becomes less important. And what we were talking about earlier on, the knowledge panel becomes more important because the knowledge panel makes you look like this incredibly impressive business. Whereas the Google My Business makes you look like a local business. So you need to figure out which is the right one for you. Are you a local bricks and mortar where people will walk into your premises? Or are you trying to build this Impressional, this brand message that you're a big national or international business, in which case you need to aim more from a knowledge panel. Right.
0: One of the things I read from you is that you said Google is your new business card. Yeah. What was exactly? What did you mean with that?
1: Right. Well, that actually ties into the cartoon blue dog. Um, is oh, that when okay. I stopped with the cartoon blue dog, I then tried to become a digital marketer, an SEO mm-hmm. expert. And I would go into meetings and I would have meetings with the potential clients and they would be saying, yes, this is wonderful, Jason, we think this is great. We really want to work with you. And then a lot of them didn't sign. And I was wondering why. And then somebody told me, actually, when you walked out of the room, you left your business card, but we didn't even look at it. We searched your (laughs) name. And it said Jason Barnard is a cartoon blue dog and we didn't want to give our business or our digital marketing strategy to a cartoon blue dog. And so I thought what I need to now do, is educate Google as to what's interesting for my audience today, as opposed mm-hmm. to what was interesting three or four years ago when I was a cartoon blue dog. So I set about educating Google, and I do like to talk about educating Google yeah. about who we are, what we do, and who our audience is. And Google thought my audience was parents and children, and I had to okay. educate it that my audience was, in fact, business owners looking for a digital market or an SEO. So it's my business card.
0: Yeah, and that took some time, of course, or did you? Because you did the search results, they stay there. When I Google myself, I find still results from 99 or, you know, so it's just not on top anymore, but it stays there. Yeah.
1: And it's a pretty huge job. And I mean, it took me three months, but then I'm an SEO expert. So it was relatively yeah, right. easy for me. Yeah. And I would say once you start thinking about Google as being your business card, that when people search your name, you need to make it positive, accurate, and convincing. Once you've seen that and you want to start working on it, the first thing you need to do is a massive spring clean of your digital ecosystem. Go around everything that's in and around your brand and start correcting it so that the message is much clearer to Google. And so that three-month period is a spring clean. A massive spring clean. And um, you have to look at yourself in the mirror and realize mm-hmm. your weaknesses, your strengths, where your, your strategy is actually going wrong, where it's going right, where your audience are truly engaging. And as you work through this spring clean of your brand SERP, you'll see that your digital strategy and your digital ecosystem will become much clearer to you and you will gradually build a much, much more solid business online it's much more towards the idea of a stable long term business with a long term stable right. digital strategy as opposed to the idea of a one shot wander in SEO ranking number one for red shoes.
0: Yeah, no, that is what you know in in those days, and perhaps still that exists. That you had these black hats, you know, techniques to be, you know, and then you could get. I don't know if that still exists. What they call the Google slap—that suddenly you're, you know, yep. uh, you're out of the re- search results because you do stuff that Google doesn't like for instance i heard if you build a landing page on your website it's still good to have like a footer in there and some links to your privacy policy and like Mm -hmm. other stuff that they see that is legit and it's not just one page that has no content
1: i mean yeah and when you're looking at google rather than looking at how you can trick it which is what a lot of black hat yeah. ideas are and a lot of us try to do it and it, you know you kind of think well i'll see if i can trick it and we can get to the top without necessarily deserving it yeah you need to look at what google's trying to achieve and then you say even if it doesn't necessarily achieve that today It's going to get there because it's pushing its algorithms forwards. And what Mm -hmm. it's trying to achieve is the best solution for its user when that user searches for something, a solution to a problem or an answer to a question. And if that best solution is yours on one of your web pages, you need to demonstrate that to Google. And you need Mm -hmm. to demonstrate that you're the most credible, reliable and efficient solution for its user. Always remember the people coming through Google are Google's users. Mm-hmm. Right. And only a subset is your audience. You're right. asking Google to recommend you. So mm-hmm. you need to make sure that Google wants to recommend you because it understands you're the best, most efficient, most credible solution. Right.
0: Jason, I was just when you were talking, putting your name in Google. And of <laughs> course, the first result is your website, your personal website, I guess, jasonbernard.com. Do you yep. know what is second? It's a social media site. Do you know Twitter. which? Yeah, it's Twitter. You know, I was for me, I, I guess it it was LinkedIn. Is do you know why it's? Are you more active on Twitter than on LinkedIn? Is that a reason you think, or?
1: um, um Well, in fact, for you, your Twitter account comes up second as well. I'm looking uh, at yours. Okay,
0: then it is then probably it has changed because I'm getting active again on Twitter. It used to be LinkedIn at a certain moment. So I was just right. you know trying to ask you what would be the best place at the transition to what would be the best place for you if you want people that look you up or that would connect with you? Would you prefer them to go to LinkedIn, Twitter or something else?
1: I actually don't mind. From my perspective of Google is your business card, the idea yeah. for me is that if you search my name, you get to choose where you interact with me. Right. So if you're interested in my personal life, you go to jasonbarnard.com. If you're interested in chatting on Twitter, go to Twitter. If you're interested in doing business, my company website, kellycube.com should be third. Then you should go there. And if you want to link up with me on LinkedIn, maybe do business because it's more of a B2B platform. That's great too. There's a podcast listing. I probably see. Down there. Yeah,
0: I see that. It's actually a nice page because it's like a menu that you suggest. Yeah.
1: to. That, that's 10 years of work. And so as, as I said earlier on, you need to do your massive spring clean But afterwards, you do need to maintain that brand setup. You do need to maintain that positive, accurate, and convincing business card on Google. And mine looks great, um, but I've worked very, very hard to get it like that.
0: I guess I think if you had, I don't know if you have a YouTube channel or YouTube videos, but that would have shown up also on this page, I would imagine. Yeah,
1: you've got them here, I can see. Um, I know, yeah, I know, because YouTube...
0: Of yeah, I've I have both normally it depends on the browser. Normally, I would expect you to find the because I have both English and Dutch stuff on Google. And uh, depending on what I'm using, which browser, which language, I see my Dutch or my English version. But
1: uh, yeah, I mean, we mentioned geo, but also language changes a great deal, and the browser language and the geolocation will, will affect greatly the results you're seeing. Um, right. But yeah, so your Google business card could do with a little bit of work, but your site ranks number one, your Twitter number two, Instagram, Amazon, and YouTube. So that, for somebody who's never done any work on it, that looks pretty good.
0: Yeah, I did not do, not do any work on it, that's right. I was just, you know, doing, being present on social media, because obviously I get, when I look at the traffic coming to my sites, I have my personal site and my business site, they come from social media most of the time. So it really depends, you know, where you're active and putting out this content.
1: Yeah. And your activity on social media is being reflected on your Google business card, on the brand search for your name. Um, And it does show that building a presence online other than Google around your audience and where your audience are hanging out, where you can interact with your audience actually really does serve your Google business card, but also, I would argue, your wider SEO strategy. So, for me, you're on exactly the right track. Right. So, it's perfect.
0: I was just looking up myself on Google, and I see my first site is my .be site, which is in Dutch, and the second one is my .com site, which is in English. But it's my name, eh? of
1: course, so... Uh... Mm. You did say your name was unique, so it's a little bit easier for... Yeah, yeah, that's
0: that's an advantage, you know, that uh, often when people have a business that have like this generic name and there are so many businesses with the same name, it's really hard to, I guess, to rank.
1: Yeah, no, it's a a huge, huge problem, both for people and for companies. And one of the things that we've done, I mean, I've written the book, which Mm -hmm. you can see behind me, to explain the approach I have, but I've also built a platform a SaaS platform that helps with this approach and makes it much much easier to educate Google. And with that idea of an ambiguous brand name or personal name that you just mentioned, a lot of it is to do with who can educate Google the best. Right, is going to be the one that's going to be dominate mm-hmm. dominating. Excuse me. So basically, if you set about educating Google, even if you have an ambiguous name, brand name, or personal name, you can potentially Dominate your own brand, sir.
0: Right. But, of course, it's not always about people. You know, if they know they look for me, they will find me. But if they're yeah. looking for another service, you know, they have a problem, like you said, and they want a solution. And I've, it didn't happen too much until now, but it already happened that they people found a blog which has certain keywords in it. And I said, I need you to help us because you And then they, and because I have a presence online, they already, you know, looked up everything and they had all the information they needed to connect. And therefore, what you said about Google is your business card, I can fully agree. So it's kind of a call to action or a point of action for people that are listening to that Uh, search Google, search your name on Google and see what shows up and see how you can improve it. And if they need help, they can uh, be in touch with you. So I will... Put all your, I would say, contact details website Mm. where I found the Google on the show notes. Uh, So
1: thanks very much. So do get in contact with me for whatever, however I can help. We've got courses, we've got the book, we've got the SaaS platform I do consulting. Search Jason Barnard or CaliCube on Google to find out more and figure out whether we have anything that would help you in your business journey online
0: awesome so thanks jason it was so great to have you thank you so much so i would say enjoy the rest of your day guys thank you very much for listening yeah and i hope that you join me again for the next podcast episode bye thank you so
1: much that was brilliant